Um, quick question. Do I need to mute the fucking microphone when I vape? Welcome to Game of Nodes, a weekly podcast on Cosmos from independent validator teams. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Game of Nodes, uh, where we punk our guests now when we uh, start up. So Perfect. <laughs> this week, uh, we have myself, Usurper, Kufelik, <laughs> and Highlander. So Kufelik, we're just going to call Simon today because I can't remember to keep saying that. <laughs> so Highlander and Simon are from um, uh, Chain Tools. And uh, maybe we can just start off with some introductions. So if I'll pass it over to Highlander. And Highlander, if you want to introduce yourself, um, give a little bit of history about uh, Highlander nodes and and now um, chain tools, and we'll move on from there. Hiya. Um, I'm Highlander, as you know, from the community in Juneau initially. Uh, but recently we've teamed up with Simon and formed chain tools and we're merging forces to try and expand uh, further into the cosmos and help secure the interchain. Did you freeze? Nope. <laughs> that was it. Is that it? That was Short it. Speed. Short and sweet. So, so just give us a bit, bit more information about um, – so you used to be uh, Highlander Nodes. Um, yeah. You felt like used to be uh, – he, his uh, moniker was Kufelic, but you guys have uh, recently teamed up. Um, yeah. and you've, you've rebranded to um, Cosmos Tools. Um, yeah. you know, what's the tools part of that? So um, you obviously are still validators and um, I, I guess uh, are looking to provide, um, you know, additional things to, to Cosmos. So do, yeah, do you mean, guys understand for the tools part? Yeah, so we're going to, Inspired a little bit by Paul Couture's great work of, of recently, you know, providing pairs, providing snapshots, take sync, just enabling new validators to come on board and sort of quick sync them way, quick sync themselves onto the networks that they're validating. Um, but we want to try a little bit more by educating people as well. Um, mm-hmm. And also on top of that, well, I'm learning a bit of coding and stuff. In the shot, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, well, well, I'm kind of learning code and stuff. I'd like to try and set up a bit of an academy as well, not only for Juno, not only for Evos, <laughs> <laughs> um, but obviously just um, try and inspire the next wave of developers, engineers to come on and, you know, because we're, we're in a bear market at the moment, but it'd be <laughs> This is great, man. Funny. Um, you're in. Uh, I, she's on, like uh, dancing about YouTube. there. <laughs> um, what was I say? I lost my train of thought. Yeah. So the next wave, we're in a bear market at the moment. So the next wave of new users come on board, and you know we're so far ahead in terms of technology and talking about cause and wars and talking about loads of technical stuff, and you know most people will be like what the fuck's a wallet? How'd you set up a wallet? You know, what is, you know, we want to try and just bring it, bring it back a little bit and slow down, go back to basics and sort of bring all these kind of new people on board. So we thought we should team up together because Simon's a 
very, very good systems uh, DevOps engineer. Um, I can't go further than four chains on my own. That you know, four's pushing it. Both of us together teamed up. We thought it already we're seeing good results in the space of three weeks. You know, um, so it's been a positive move. Something I've got really excited about recently as well because. Well, we're in a bear market. It's nice to be busy and nice to be doing stuff and productive. And yes, it's a good feeling. So we came. I left from Highlander nodes, and you know, we've we've seemed to merge together as a good, hopefully, a good team uh, going forward. Awesome, fantastic. And uh, Simon, mate, do you want to um, give us a bit of an introduction to yourself, mate? Oh yeah, definitely. So. Um, as uh, as Rob mentioned, basically we came back recently because now we're validating different chains. I think I reached the critical mass of not being really able to drive this self going forward. Having 20 chains actually uh, only validators, then uh, I start putting relayers in place as well, some RPC nodes and stuff like that. It's really like for one man show, it's too much. So there is a need to team up. As we've been actually working on, on technical stuff for some time, it's been actually a year or even longer, basically. We, we bumped onto each other on, on some test nets uh, some time ago, and that's, that's how it started. Actually decided that it's a good idea to move on. So basically start to systematize things and put like infrastructure things in one place. I can look after that and start, start actually looking after some, some bits and pieces we can deliver to, to the community um, as a team at this stage. Once actually we can take the load from each other, on, on uh, particular items, then we'll be more productive on, on um, interesting items. And what we're looking into, um, like Rob mentioned, is um, this education piece. And in here, we want to really focus on, on piece for the end users, how to approach the, the ecosystem, how to use it, what advantages they can have, and basically what that is. That will be the one thing. But the second thing, we also want to focus on some technical stuff, because basically now, you can see a lot of testnets, a lot of people coming, and they also need to have to learn the good habits, how to run the validator, how to run the node and stuff like that, not to expose, for example, chain for the security vulnerabilities, which, which is quite popular, right? Why you don't run the validator as a root, for example, why Docker might be dangerous, why you're not supposed to throw like a bunch of services on one system and so on and so on. So this will be also part we want to kind of encourage people to learn and look into from technical perspective how to implement good habits in the environment and the, and the systems. And a part of that, of course, uh, jump into the new new chains uh, and, and keep providing services as, as we do at the moment, like, like Rob mentioned, infrastructure services. This is mostly my area, really. Um, I'm around infrastructure and DevOps uh, 20 plus years in IT, so I know that thing. Now trying to develop something with a little bit of a success sometimes, but yeah, um, that is also a space I want to jump into. And the tools piece also is uh, we got a couple of things in mind what we would like to deliver also, which is kind of automated way of deploying the node. Someone needs a full node, just here's the Ansible playbook, for example. Yeah? You just press the button, you don't need to build, uh, compile any, anything, you don't need to know where the source code is, just put basically uh, the name of the server, it will deploy this. So that will be this piece. And then um, also some actually online tools. We got a couple, a couple of things in mind uh, how to how to improve the the ecosystem and and help people actually to utilize Cosmos better. Though. So yeah, that's that's basically what we have in mind. 
-hmm. If you unmute yourself, we can even hear you then. <laughs> no. I'm not good at this streaming shit. <laughs> no, that's okay. It's always uh, a user. <laughs> so, um, what what do you what do you see being the first uh, educational um, document that you guys might put out? So, are these going to be like medium documents? Few things actually. One will be the medium documents, and that will be driven by documentation or bits and pieces we have because we got lots of notes um, collected as mo mostly markdown documents for the installation. So first of all, we'll be clean this up, make this in a readable format and publish as medium or blog document. So that is the platform will be, will be um, a piece of a choice. And another thing actually, we also want to release some videos, some educational videos where you will have actually the theoretical part, that's the architecture of the system. Let's take the Cosmovisor, for example. Cosmovisor is the process manager, yeah? That's how it works. That's what it does. And then demo part, how to install this, let's say, and utilize this in, in your environment. And uh, yeah, uh, we want to release also, also multimedia actually content. Hey, I look forward to that. Look forward to reading it. You, you mentioned mm -hmm. um, a platform called Block, is it? What is that one? Is it Medium or Block? Well, what no, blog, what I, blog, blog, blog. Sorry, what I've got um, is I built the front end for Chain Tools. Um, you've seen some of the front end stuff I've did in the past. It's it's like it's not it's not incredibly gifted or anything, but you know it's, it's a it's a way of giving yourself a task to try and build something on your own accord and learning properly. And then um, we run this. I run Sanity CMS on the back end and you literally just type in anything in a blog and it will just render it straight to the sort of blog page that we've got on our website, which makes it easier for, because we don't want to be spending our time writing blogs. We've actually employed someone for like six weeks to try and help us out writing some good articles and getting a bit of a, you know, because... I, I speak Scottish at the end of the day, don't I, right? And so sometimes I might come across as a bit fucking sweary or whatever. And, you know, so it's nice to get some professional in to do it properly for six weeks. And um, so, yeah, we've, we're, it's easy for him just to go up, da 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 and it just renders on the front end page. So we've got that on the go for blogs. But then I said to Simon, I think we should look at an academy-style thing because, you know... So we've got that on the go for blogs, but then... Yep. Uh, is that is that me speaking there? Wow, that's incredible. I just heard myself there. Yeah, I don't know what happened. <laughs> that's pretty um, good. Yeah, I so I, I, that's when I say to Simon, obviously, like if you know, we, we should give, we should do something like an academy, and um, sort of maybe do educational videos, and yeah, we just take it from there. Really, we I suppose more ideas will come into. Um, as as the days go on and different ideas and obviously I think what we we said as well Simon that we're going to get some community feedback and what they want from us as a validator as well you know not just what we want to do but listen to the communities and see what they would expect from us going forward. So, it's good timing because yeah. there's there's never been more interest I think than what we see right now and and like if we were just I know we'll talk about say here in a second but <clears throat> say opened up like their incentivized testnet um last over the weekend right friday or saturday or something like that 
And I think in the course of eight to 12 hours, they had 1,200 and, or 1,300 pull requests with Gentex in them, right? Um, so there, wow. there's not there's not 1,300 capable infrastructure operators in the Cosmos today. Um, so I think one of the things that you can add, um, one of the things I think would be important, and one thing we did it we when we wrote documentation for the Helium project when they were moving into to validators was trying to be very clear on setting expectations. Like, what are you getting into? Um, it sounds great, but what are you getting into? Like, what does it really mean to be an infrastructure operator? What truly are the costs? What skill sets are you going to have? Because if you start missing blocks and you're trying to Google up how to do basic Linux shit, right? Like you're you're not only hurting yourself, but you're hurting the, the good possibility of of taking funds away from people who are delegate to you and things like that, right? So um, there was a, we had a, a lot of expectation written um, just around that, just to say, hey, before you get into this, before you just jump head in, like, make sure you know what you're, what you do. These are the skill sets that are important to be able to be a good operator. Um, everything from obviously Linux skills and cloud knowledge and monitoring and 20 other fucking things that you need to know to, to actually have a, a good chance in running high availability operations, right? Because it's a little, I mean, three quarters of those you see are people running WSL on a Windows laptop, right? So it's fine. But, and then I think there's a part of that also is, is if it comes down from 1300 Gentex down to 250 of good operators, then you're, you're also helping the team because these teams can't go through 1250s and try to figure out, does this, per, do they know what they are doing or not? Right. Um, and I thought the other thing interesting along that lines was to say, if you guys saw that and the, when say did that, um, on there, they asked people to put a form in as well. And they had some like quiz questions. Did you guys see those where they put like, hey, if this, if you saw this in the governance proposal, what does it do? Or, or like it was like some questions to get over the hurdles, which I thought was actually pretty interesting. But I think there was, there, then you have those, then people are taking those questions and popping them back on Discord and say, hey, if you have this governance proposal. Um, so, but, but I think that was, it's a step forward the right way. Cause I think it's just, it's really, I think it's challenging for everyone involved when you have that many people interested in something. And I get it. Like you want to, you want to grow, but there's a lot to it, right? So it'd be good. It'd be a good piece to think about this as well. It's like, how do you, how do you, um, you don't want to take people away from opportunity, but you also want to be very clear on, on what comes along with that opportunity. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, Simon, you were testing out say network recently, haven't you? How did you feel about it? What was you know, because you're quite critical when it comes to chains that are a bit of a <laughs> shit show. <laughs> well, basically, testnet became kind of, especially incentivized, because now if you got testnet, the first question people ask usually is, oh, do we get any reward? Oh, there's no reward. Oh, then they just walk away. You yeah. wouldn't get any 1,200 gen taxes if there would be no incentives. Yeah, I can guarantee you that. That's the first thing. So people are like, oh, yeah, easy money. I go for this, yeah? yeah. I answer the question in the in the forum. Then I get Gentix. Then I got validator. Oh, yeah. Then faucet shit show starts, yeah? So everyone drains the, <laughs> the faucet to the max just to stay in the active set. And that's right. Yep. That is another thing. And then, of course, restake, and that's it. And then we got yet another installation script for something, or yet, yet another actually restacking script and stuff like that. So it's... it's um, it became a little bit funny sometimes, uh, to be fairly honest, from, from that perspective. That's what put me off Eve Moss at the start um, when mm -hmm. it was the, the faucet carry-on at the beginning and yeah. I fell away from it. I was well in at the beginning with Eve Moss and then it was this big... You remember, Simon? It was just this absolute nightmare. Um, was... And I thought, I'm done with this chain. 
Yeah. And now I'm like trying to chase the mask, trying to stay in the set now, you know, but, right. but it's not, I would like to see some, I mean, how does fucking 1200 odd or whatever it is, Gentex transactions come through for a, for a test net? I mean, what the fuck is happening? Which what, is actually, which also, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off Highlander. No, it, it's actually along that same line is because the, their documentation wasn't very clear in the Gentex structure, which is usually a good, it's usually somewhat of a sign to like try to, you know, they're not, people are just copying pasting, right? Like, I don't think they even yeah. had Gentex command in there, which was also really surprising that there was that many that, that did it, but maybe, maybe it was on a previous repo or something. I missed it, but yeah, I agreed. It's like, it's, and it, like I said, it doesn't really help the team that much either. And, and even on Evo, it's like they, they had started back off that, right. Then they, they ended up getting to a point where they did like custom invitations for the initial validator set because they want to make sure they launch, right. Mm-hmm. Cause nothing worse than, than trying to get through four incentivized test net rounds. And then at, at the end you, you can't get off the ground cause you don't, maybe don't have the right set or whatever. Right. I think it, it it's good on um, like Kajira, for instance, you show, you, you've seen a, a true Cosmos validator set shining right through there because there was a few like people when I was, I was on early doors because I was sort of part of the Terra fund proposal. And I was sort of, before all the proposal happened, I was talking to Kajira because I knew they would be, they were leaving Terra and stuff. And, but they, they told me long ago that we're going to launch our own chain, you know, and we appreciate it. And I said, well, that's obviously fantastic, brilliant. And um, I said, well, I'll be always up for validating on it if you do launch your own chain. But she's seen some of the familiar faces on there. And it's just like, you do know who's who when yeah. you've been a validator on certain chains. And that's, you know, that sort of that sort of filters out any of the shit, I suppose, straight away, doesn't it? You know, if... If you know, if I'm talking to you, if I'm talking to Noel or vice versa, Whisper, fucking Botscape, you know what I mean? All the good guys um, sort of filters all that out straight away. But I find that astonishing, like 1,200 applicant, applicants for a, you know, for a main net. It's just like fucking madness. That goes down to the incentive piece. That goes down to incentive piece because now I recently, yesterday, I built validator in the test net of the crowd mm-hmm. control. There is no incentive, no nothing. There's barely like 30 validators joining the network out of 100. You got faucet, you got everything. You can just actually drain faucet a little bit even, stay inactive, said no problem. Nobody's yeah. interested because there is no incentive announced, right? And yeah. say, says, oh, we got incentive. Everyone like, yeah, easy money. We go there. And that's that's what happens um, on the mass scale, I think. Yep. No, you're muted again. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I can read lips on that note, though. <laughs> I'm going to send him a stream deck. <laughs> so, <laughs> the funny thing with the so you you're completely right, Simon. Like when when it's an incentivized test net, I'm not sure how they get the word out there. Maybe it's just um, you know maybe there's groups for incentivized things or whatever. But um, when you when you have an incentivized one, there's just all these people show up and and tons of people don't even they they can't even use Linux. It, it's well, um, yeah. you know you you look at the uh, the um, chats in discord and it's like how do i log into my node like right. you right. know they're, they're ridiculous and there's thousands of gentexes submitted with people who you know a, a good percentage of which couldn't troubleshoot anything or you know that's that's not to say that they shouldn't be there so right a test net is a good place to learn right 
And I think that is the only place to learn. There are people who will raise nodes on mainnet who don't know how to use Linux just through copy pasting the instructions, right? Which is fine until you get a problem. And then the first problem you come across, you know, you can't fix it. And then your node disappears. You know, this might be an idea for you guys to do. What you guys might think about doing is running a Highlander chain tools, chain tools, sorry, running a chain tools network and use that as a test piece. So instead of like this, not incentivized, but use it as a test piece to be able to, you know, maybe, maybe you don't you don't get maybe you run a Gentex every quarter or whatever else. But at that point, you can run a faucet. You can people can spam the hell out of the faucet. You can put a, you can put five hundred validators in the set because who cares? Um, you can do a bunch of things around that to allow people to get understanding of create validator, edit validator, um, be able Just to run a Gentex run twice a year. Yeah. And, and, and there's, you can't get kicked out. There's only, there's more than a hundred spots because who gives a shit if it takes a 10 second block time, it doesn't really matter. You can have an Explorer set up. You can have people set up RPC nodes because there really is no like test net to be a validator. There's a test mm-hmm. net for, there's a test net for projects, right? But that they, ha- their, their incentives are differently aligned than a validator's incentives. And that might be, I don't think that exists anywhere, right? I thought about that, but no, no, it's a great it's a idea. Pretty, yeah, it'd be pretty cool because then, then like all these restraints and issues about getting involved in the test net, that all goes away. Then you can, who gives a shit? You let mm-hmm. people spam a faucet all day they want. doesn't matter where you are on the set. You're not getting kicked out, things like that. It, well, it, you, it, you're you right. You can also do things like uh, experimental like shit to cause problems like, uh, you know, <laughs> have have a, a missed signing window of like two blocks. <laughs> get, get familiar with the unjail command <laughs> and then and then slowly increase the block speed until you've got like half second blocks exactly yeah well kind of sandbox environment really that is true actually sandbox environment for the experimentation would be very good yeah. though that is, yeah, that is actually like, true call it yeah. so you think you're a validator and then uh and they just come and like just cause issues to fuck everyone up that's right <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. That sounds brilliant. You're super, super, that's a great idea. Love that. Right. Mm-hmm. I only take about 5%. Oh, wait, it's not incentivized. Son of a shit. Adam, Adam says uh, <laughs> experiment with um, max staking caps. That's a good yeah, idea. There you go. That's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Very good. Anything over 4%, um, you get instantly jailed. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody gets slashed. So, um, we had planned to talk about uh, governance. Now, I have raised some um, questions about the uh, the amount to submit a governance proposal with mixed results, uh, a lot of opposition to the um, increase that I proposed, uh, which is about, uh, I think, 10,000 US dollars. Um, so- it's all right in Australia, though, wasn't it? Yeah, it is a lot over here. Ten thousand US dollars, you have to sell your fucking house. But, um, so, okay. So the thing is, in the last couple of days, uh, there's been um, spam proposal from Bostrom, right? And basically, this proposal is them just marketing um, through the governance proposal system, where obviously people read the proposals, right? So it's just a way of um, getting information to people through a different medium, but it's not what governance is for, right? So obviously this has pissed off some people um, and and so I've talked to uh, the 
core team at Juno and we talked about um, increasing the the uh, minimum deposit for a governance proposal just to make it uh, more unappealing to people to do spam proposals so that when they get vetoed, uh, they're losing more money rather than losing a small amount of money, right? So I guess the question then um, that other people are raising is, well, what is, you know, what's a deterrent amount of money uh, that is also within reach of regular users with legitimate um, governance proposals, right? So the the medium is that you don't want to lock out uh, people to be able to make proposals, but you do want to make it enough that it is a disincentive where people don't want to lose sort of, you know, an amount of money. So the funny flip side of that is, in this case, Bostrom's got money to lose. So, um, you know, if you, for example, <laughs> made the, the bar $10,000, um, you know, that might be well within reach of Bostrom for their marketing budget, for example. Uh, but make make a proposal out of reach to like a regular user, right? So I think some things that people may not be aware of, and this is purely because of uh you know, lack of tooling at the moment in, in the UI and UX space is that people can actually contribute to um, the deposit amount for proposals to get them up to a voting um, stage, right? So I believe that the original um, intent of that was so that there could be a very high bar for um, proposals uh, that then people could if it's a worthwhile proposal, contribute to the minimum deposit to get it up for voting, right? So I don't think, in my opinion, um, and I, I don't know the original intent of the Cosmos, um, you know, architects, but it appears to me as if that was the mechanism to stop people from making poorly um, conceived uh, governance proposals. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's my opinion. Does anyone else... Like Usurper, Highlander, um, Simon, do you guys have opinions on that or or could care less? Or, I mean, is it a burden to have to go and press the button that says no with veto? Like, does anyone care? Is there just going to be, if we leave it too low, will there just be so uh, much spam that people just stop giving a fuck about governance? <laughs> I, I think straight away, <clears throat> I don't think governance is took them seriously enough and uh, – out with validators and Cosmos, no one does give a shit about governance <clears throat> because everyone thinks as a staker or a delegator that, you know, my one vote means nothing. That's what they think to themselves. And that's why that hardly hardly of them don't even vote. But yeah, there's there's definitely things need to be changed in governance. Like there's got to be something that has to be put in place. I always go back to what Sonny always said about the about a categorising your governance proposals in terms of if it's something of a critical upgrade, it needs to be spoken on Commonwealth or it needs to be a certain amount that you need to deposit for that specific tier of a governance proposal. If it's something minor or minute, then obviously a little bit less. But then you've got this, what you're talking about now, obviously, if it's someone trying to spam the fucking network or use it for a different sort of purpose other than, you know, governance or just using it for marketing, which is quite cheeky, then I think you should be 
more than know with Veto, it should be something more critical that happens to them in terms of banning from the network and some more further actions happening because it's not going to stop, is it really? You know, you can set the bar at 20 grand, mate, and they'll still fucking do it. You've got to push the step a wee bit further, I think, and like, and I mean, I'll eliminate them from the network, tombstone them. I don't know how you could do that in terms of code wise, but. You know, it's got to be serious, man, you know, because if you want it to stop, you've got to do it properly. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Like, I, two things. One is, well, three things. One, I don't even understand what Bostrom is. I've never been able to figure out that website. Like, I don't understand the cyber AI thing. I, I've messed with it for like a couple hours. I, I don't get it. So number two, that chain should know better than do this bullshit. That's ridiculous. You're a member of the Cosmos. This is an early Cosmos chain. This is like, original six right and to be able to take that goodwill of being an early cosmos chain member and then spam all these other chains with this horse shit is ridiculous like that's whether or not you can do it or not like know your place in this ecosystem and like what the hell is this like and and honestly if you're like if we were running a chain and one of the four of us proposed this idea the other three would instantly be like Dude, we're gonna get like a thousand no for v- with vetoes here. It's gonna get bonded out, which means they knew this was gonna happen. Which means it's just kind of like, oh, we'll just do it anyway because no bad press, right? Which is just an awful like, what the hell? Like that's just ridiculous. I think for a Cosmos chain to be able to do. Um, and I also agree with you. You said what Null said earlier around the original intent. I think the it should go up. Um, I was just on a different call where where Jack was talking about this uh, related to the original dis. Which was that it was meant to be a community-funded deposit structure, but those UIs don't exist, right? It's CLI only right now. So he said that Strangelove has something in the works that they worked on in the past for that, and then also um, like it does need to be built because I, I do think that the right thing in the future would be to allow something like a Commonwealth or something else to be able to have that in there, be able to see the um, to see the proposal like in its form, and then allow people to either. Add deposits through that idea, right? I'm going to put five something towards this or something else, and then the and you could even if you really wanted to, like you could even find a way that maybe for specific proposal types, like text proposals away from software upgrade, where you could even mint a small amount on the depositors. So if somebody's putting that deposit in right now, there's no ROI on that, right? It's just getting your money back. Um, but even if you did a small mint and I made ten percent or maybe 5% or something similar to that based on that deposit, if it's a text proposal and it goes through, maybe you could do something to be able to have some incentive for people to actually read those and be able to deposit on and things like that. Like those are different ideas, right? But I do think a way to be able to show that you, there is no barrier to be able to add a deposit to that. And then even if there's no incentive around that, to be at least to have individuals, you know, understand what's in there and, and play a role in that. Cause I, right now it's just kind of like these things show up and there's one depositor and, Right. You kind of roll on. So that idea of uh, I, I think and let me, last thing, the last thing is, I think raising the the minimum until those UX pieces are gone, I think creates an, the wrong piece because then it then it becomes a only the whales, quote unquote, can can deposit. Right. It turns into a it turns into a, a community exclusiveness or it excludes the community versus includes them. And so to to Simon's point around the community not giving a shit about votes, I think it actually. I think it even makes it worse because they can't like then if I don't have 10,000, whatever the hell it is, I can't even put a proposal in. Right. Which I think yep. then they're like, what the hell? Why can't I? Right. Has anybody thought about 
<laughs> Has anybody thought about like you know the way the way the UK works in terms of like we've got all of our, we've got all of our um, IBC enabled chains right? So there's your constituents. Has everyone thought about a Cosmos Parliament in terms of all the heads of every chain <laughs> going to the House of Commons and sort their shit out that way? <laughs> no, 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 no. That would not work, man. Come on. <laughs> it's are supposed we, to be trustless. We, it's supposed we, to be permissionless. Are we going backwards here, boys? Come on. <laughs> I don't think that's the way. Hey, um, hey guys, just uh, on this, there is quite a lengthy thread from um, multi-chain maximalist, which is uh, Jake. Um, so... Because it's really long, um, and I think it's it touches on some good points. I didn't want to read the fucking thing, so I got Jake to come on. So yeah, fucking love he, Jake, man. He's going to drop in um, probably in like five or ten minutes. So great. Um, yeah. Anyway, so um, it is quite. It is a, a, a pretty, you know, difficult. Uh, topic I get. Well, I mean, it, it is straightforward and it is difficult at the same time, right? It's straightforward in that um, governance should be a completely decentralised thing, mm-hmm. um, but it's difficult in that, you know, you don't want to mistreat governance so much that you end up with people not caring about it. So, right. yeah, go, 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 go. I mean, look, it's, it's all well. Everybody who knows... In the cosmos, like us guys on this stream, right? We're not fucking idiots, right? That's enough for us to say, you know, we're going to ignore that proposal. That's ridiculous, blah, blah, blah. But it's risky to the fact of maybe, you know, 100,000 delegators who don't really know how it works. And they just, literally, this is what happens. They just, yes, yes, yes. And it fucking passes. And it takes something like that for it to, like, actually be voted in I think we need to go back to the what what me and Simon are saying about the educational part it's just back mm-hmm. to basics a little bit let the, let the techno, technically gifted gentlemen crack on in the network and all I'm saying is that we as a, as a validator are just going to step back and bridge the next wave and the newcomers into the ecosystem sort of go, you know, this is the basics, you know, this is how governance works mm-hmm. in a decentralised environment and the Cosmos ecosystem, but also, you know, people who are savvy to Cosmos will just look at these proposals and literally no veto. But I think there should be more consequences for them for doing mm-hmm. these sort of proposals, like not just no veto and lose your funds. It should be like, you know, a lot more serious consequences. Yeah. yeah. One thing actually which could be added now, because now one depositor can actually put up all the money and it doesn't matter if you actually set the, the, the high um, amount of money which needs to go to against the proposal. Just set up the number of wallets which needs to contribute. Of course, mm-hmm. that will put additional hassle. Then they can spread actually the amount, but then you got at least this additional hassle they have to go through to submit a proposal. Don't allow only single single proposal. If that's supposed to be decentralized, we might require a minimum of, let's say, 100 wallets to actually contribute towards the proposal before it goes for the, for the voting, okay? deposit period. 
and then not only only one person can can do that. Uh, raising the, the the amount of money, it will just push away, like you said, guys, before uh, smaller people who might have a good ideas from even submitting it. They say, "Oh, I will never get actually convince people to put up money. Nobody knows me, or whatever." You, it's just screwed up from the beginning, though it might cause this this type of effect. So, Whatever. just yeah. just playing devil's advocate here, right? So, I can see some problems with that, but I can also see some solutions that other people might hate. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> I have bad but, news and bad news. <laughs> yeah. So, my my problem with that is that it's quite easy to just civil wallets on on Cosmos chains, right? You just open up some more wallets. You could make 500 with a bot um, and put 0. 0.0. Like you would have to have a minimum balance on those wallets or a minimum history or something like that, right? Yeah. Um, but also like the the gatekeepers, well, not the gatekeepers, the how would you, I, I guess you could call it the, the gatekeeper to the network and the network security, right? The, the most interested parties in a network are probably the validators, right? So maybe if you're looking for like seconding proposals, like so if someone makes a proposal and then, you know, you're looking for community and network support for the proposal, then maybe, um, you know, it needs to be seconded by a couple of validators or something like that um, to sort of verify it's a legit. But I can see people absolutely fucking hating that because... Yeah. The validators already have a fair amount of control in terms of voting in uh, in governance. So, Tom? Now, one thing actually uh, with this type of controlling, it contradicts the idea of the environment. Yeah? That's supposed to be permissionless, trustless, everyone can submit something. So I think it's more actually educational job on our side as a validators to explain to people how that works. And if someone delegates to me, for example, should be able to ping me on social media saying, hey, what this proposal is about? Yeah? Explain this to me and tell me how we should, what we're supposed to do with this, what the consequences are. And then that's supposed to be work done on, on that level. We, we shouldn't go into controlling piece of it because that will get actually into so many details that it really will get messy. And there'll be always fight between the people. It will cause only basically the... the just unnecessary, really um, angry people around, I guess. Yeah. yeah. That, that other idea, though, was not a, I mean, it's an interesting idea. The idea that maybe only a validator can propose, hear me out, maybe only a validator can propose. So that is a community, that's a community type of thing between delegates and a validator. And then with that, get rid of the idea that validators vote non-voting shares. So the validators only vote their own personal wallets. Non-voting shares do not come along with that. Only community votes and validator personal wallets, quote unquote, or you know, self-stake wallets type of things are in the quorum, but a proposal has to go through a validator. So you kind of have like a, there's a bit of a check and balance there in that type of structure. That's just another idea. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. but uh, there's like, it seems like there's a, there's a good number of ways to kind of figure it out. I think it's just a matter of kind of laying out some of the pros and cons type of idea. There, there's so many variables that you could go down as it? it's, you know, yeah, but I like I like the sound of that. Yeah. No, you're unmuted. Just trying to think Please. of any other um, the trifecta. End user issue. End user issue. <laughs> <laughs> Still <at> it. 
<laughs> letting you go. I'm going to have a there whiskey while he has a thing. <laughs> Drink break. I was actually talking to myself. Oh, oh sorry. Again? <laughs> I didn't mean to call you out. Um, so, Soy2 Studio, he's actually been quite, um, he's been saying a few things on Twitter about this as well. So, I didn't even read this before I put it. Anything that further empowers <laughs> is, is about okay. <laughs> that further empowers validators is a bad idea. Um, we just spoke about how most validators are useless and can't even use Linux. <laughs> Good point. Truth. To be fair, my idea was also removing empowerment of validators so it was, yeah. it was both sides like i was trying to work on both sides but i i understand that that is true <laughs> so like yeah it is it is a pretty like um you know nuanced subject i suppose and and to be fair like the validator community may have a completely different view than the user community right so it's it's like there's Holy. two sides to the coin well two perspectives to the to the issue right so yeah i think that's as a validator community is something that we um overlook sometimes is that there's two perspectives to most of these issues right and you know i think a lot of us do try to see it from a user perspective but maybe clouded by our our validator perspective in that we tend to do what we think is just the best outcome for network and network security, right? Whereas, um, you know, the users look at it from a perspective of usability and being able to use the features of a network and be able to participate in the network. Whereas, like, we're validators are participants already, right? There's mm-hmm. no matter what the situation is, we're going to have some sort of influence and and um, participation in the network. Whereas some decisions that we might think are right for the network might um, reduce the amount of participation that a user can have. So there is two perspectives to every situation that we come up with, um, with this proof of stake thing that we're all trying to work our way through. Um, and, And those two different perspectives can be very different. And it's our job as validators to try to see both of those perspectives and do what's best as a whole, not just what's best, what we think is best for the network. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally agree. I mean, it's it's back to this categorizing the severity of the proposal. There's so many variables to take into account, but, you know, if you if you start at categorizing severity of, like, you know, if it's, it's uh, <laughs> I keep going back to the, the famous Juno prop, you know, that sort of severity would had to have, you know, how how would you have dealt with it looking at it now, pre that prop going up? You know, you'd have done it a lot differently. Like maybe you wouldn't have, but it's just I think it, it, when you when you see something, it needs to be, you know, validators have got to look at the code here. You know, mm-hmm. you've got to realise what you're upgrading, or or don't fucking vote because you don't know what you're doing. You know, we all get we all get caught with our asses up our fucking ass. Uh, sorry, a finger up our ass earlier on with with that prop. It went to a wrong address, and it's like, <laughs> you know, these things need to be seriously looked at now um, because we were all caught out hands up. You know, I was 
these so, it, it, it's something we need to look into in terms of categorizing what kind of proposal that is. You know, if it's something like reduce the blocks time or you know something different, then yeah, I just think if it's some something of serious severity, then yeah, we, 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 it needs to go through specific validators who have got to okay it or before it goes on chain, basically. So Jake has arrived. Um, yeah, what's up, guys? Hey, what's happening? <laughs> oh He's man, that Jake. is a good sounding. That man. is a beat of fifty-seven, man. Yeah, oh. it is. That's nice. Nice tonight <laughs> on Sweet Sounds by Meow. <laughs> it's like Kamal on the man, smooth nice. jazz. I like smooth that. Jazz. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, I just put the hard word on. Uh, um, yeah, there. I, I said we're coming to the end of this topic, man. You coming or not? <laughs> might, not even, might not even have seen that in the in the chat. <laughs> oh, did I miss it? Did you guys already talked about it? No, no. no. So I, I just said we're getting towards the end of this uh, topic, man. Are you coming or not? <laughs> so, right, cool. so anyway, um, the what we're talking about here, meow, is um, the the. Uh, governance um, issues that are cropping up with the the low bar for the um, for the uh, proposal um, and the the deposit for a proposal, and we've talked a little bit about you know various issues with that. We've we've thrown some ideas back and forth, but I saw that you did have uh, quite a big thread on um, Twitter uh, on this very subject. And I thought that you may like the opportunity to touch on some of the points that um, you've raised there on Twitter um, and your possible remedies. So we've talked about um, a couple of different things we've talked about is one, uh, to mitigate uh, raising the bar for a um, uh, deposit. So, for example, $10,000 or $3,000 or $7,000 or whatever it might be, right, Um, just to try and provide a disincentive for people to raise spam proposals. Um, we've also talked about there could be different mechanisms for, you know, seconding um, proposals by other people in the community or validators. Um, that sort of segued a little bit onto uh, removing voting power from validators but requiring them to second a proposal for it to become live, etc. various things like this, all just talking off the cuff and some ideas are probably very bad and some ideas might have some merit. Um, I'm not advocating for any of them, just <laughs> raising them. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, yeah, that's what we got to do. Just got to throw some ideas out there, see what sticks. Exactly. Right. Um, so one thing I think we can all agree on though is that, um, you know, the community education on this matter is probably not good. And the UX UI for this, um, for governance as a whole, is not good. So I thought that might be some things that you touched on in that thread, which I haven't been able to read because I've been trying to pay attention to the the stream here. So did you want to um, talk about a few things on this? Yeah, sure. I mean, going on the whole UI UX thing, it, it sucks for the Cosmos Governance SDK. Uh, I, I think that actually part of the challenge, I noticed a lot of people were like, 
we're going to raise the proposal deposit. And then a lot of people are like, wait, that means like, you know, poor people won't be able to vote. Well, the deposit is already 500 Juno. So what happens if you have one Juno? I think most people don't actually realize that it only it you don't have to pay the full deposit when you make a proposal. You only need one Juno. Um, you can have multiple people contribute to a proposal deposit. That's how it is today. Right. But because the UX around all this is so bad, and I think some of the education around this could be a lot better, I think most people don't even realize. I think uh, they think the person who makes the proposal has to pay the full deposit. But in actuality, they only have to pay one Juno, and as many people as possible can come together and pay the proposal deposit. So... um, so $10,000 cool. becomes hardly anything when you've got loads of people contributing to make the proposal happen anyway. So this is the point. Well, you, I you, think it's actually you, only need, you only need 100 people to contribute $100 and you're, you're there. And, you know? and if you've got, a, you know, if you've got, if, if it's any, and there's a lot of users, like if there's any kind of good support for your, your um, proposal. You'll well, get my point is it's like raising it to $10,000 ain't going to stop the the mm-hmm. sort of thing happening then as it back to my point where it's got to be more of a severity but a hundred thousand wouldn't it <laughs> I, I honestly think a chain that's as big as Juno we're still over a hundred million dollar market cap I think a hundred thousand dollars is fine and the whole expectation is that you your proposal has to be good enough that you can convince other people to put like to deposit on it yeah and I think yeah. that that's honestly great and I think that will result in better proposals um because you're you're forced to collaborate you're forced to like go out and convince other people that hey this proposal is so important i want you to put your money on the line um jacob other than a good feeling about that though there's no return on that right like anybody who's sitting there looking at say i have risk there's no reward have you guys would it be possible for if it is at that number and that's a that's like a significant number like a hundred thousand dollars usd that if if I'm part part of the member of the community and I think this is a valuable thing, why wouldn't we pull and make that a little bit of a mint where I have a little bit of return on that? Like say it's five percent or say it's one percent, you, you know what uh, I mean? Something like this that. This is actually something I really want to work on with uh Dow as a place to experiment with this. Yeah. Um I'm I'm kind of very I think there's we have to think about what are the smallest changes we can make that will improve the current situation but don't require that much work. And then maybe where do we want to get long term to story my um, life <laughs> so i think we need to be really careful about uh like incentives like that for like paying people to like Participate. you know if their proposal is successful mm-hmm. uh because that could also incentivize other weird things that we don't want um could. Yep. I, I actually am really excited about that in fact we have uh in dada we're working on some of the first incentivized voting contracts so i think that that's a really exciting design ex a design space. Mm-hmm. What I think would be the easiest thing to do is shoot for another uh, number like 10, 20, maybe even 50,000. Um, that's doable. I think 10,000 is actually a good number. It's, it's mm-hmm. high enough. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, I really uh, also put out in my Twitter thread, there's two changes I want to make to the Cosmos SDK governance module. I'll throw them past you guys. I think that if a proposal is in the deposit period, so when you make a when you submit a proposal, uh, it's in the deposit period, and it's not live for voting on chain until yeah. it's past the deposit p- period. Right. I think while it's in the deposit period, you should be able to edit it, mm. um, yeah, or remove it. 
So let's say I put the proposal up and then I'm like, oh shit, there's a typo. Uh, I can remove the proposal and then put up the correct version. Yeah. Um, and when I remove or edit proposal, that should refund all like current, you know, deposits. Like we don't, you know, if the proposal text changes at all, everyone should be refunded for their deposit. It's like we're starting over again. Um, yeah, definitely, Jake. Yeah. But I think that, that and that's kind of like great because that kind of creates like, you know, we've been talking a little bit about sort of what does a drafting process process for a deposal look like? Yeah. You put your proposal up for a deposit. You convince everyone it's a good idea to deposit on it. And then it goes up for voting. And that's how we're filtering for quality right there. We want to make sure that the the um, the deposit is high enough so that there's some risk um, so that people are not going to write spam proposals or that they're just going to take the time to write quality proposals right and i think uh, and you would you would do yeah. a, a refund on the edit right because you wouldn't yes. want some, yeah so it's, if, if there's any change to it then it automatically gets refunded yeah, out and so what you can start if over. i deposit on your proposal totally, yeah, and then totally you change the one thing i liked about yeah. it you know yeah, yeah, and, yeah i was just checking but yeah that would be awesome because i think there's such a it's like it's a scary thing i've done a few of them but you put that proposal button and you're like oh shit <laughs> like i gotta make sure this is 100 yeah, percent correct and right and then you're just stuck there and then right. even once it's in the deposit period you could be like, oh, no, I'm going to put it. this other proposal. I made a really bad mistake. Don't deposit on it. And someone goes and deposits on it. Now it's live on chain for a vote. And people are just hitting yes, not, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, I really want to, I think um, the easiest thing we can do is turn that deposit period into almost like a drafting period as well. Yeah. And it's like that deposit can be set high enough so that that is a nice threshold for when a proposal is ready. Um, maybe you, know. you can even do memos in the deposit so you could actually have some comments and show those visible, like you can make it where I want to edit or maybe I have suggestions or something else and get that off of Commonwealth and make it part of that cool. depositing period. Right. Cause Commonwealth is, it's okay. Like it's with a third party, it's like a third party tool. Right. But could we, could we actually use on chain and could we use maybe small deposits in there to say have edits or something similar to that? Um, you know what I mean? Like something like that, because it, it'd be nice to not, I mean, this, not rely on I think it's a longer term thing. Of, I think we also need like full on UI, like yeah. doubt yeah. UI around yeah. um, on-chain governance. Um, it's not even easy to make a proposal. Right. Like you have to know how to use the command line and you have to edit JSON. And even when you're editing the JSON, it doesn't support like normal markdown. You have to have like all the backslash N tabs, you know, right. for white space. And right. it's a nightmare to test all that stuff. Like... Um, yeah, the, the only way to test that is to put it like testnet proposals, right? Yeah, post it somewhere <laughs> yeah, else. That's right. yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. So I've been using, um, I've been using like, sorry, no, I've been using Sanity CMS, and we've been rendering backend stuff that's like coded in Grok, and it just sort of like queries that kind of JSON format. But I wonder if there's something you could build and with Cosm JS, it just sort of like renders whatever you're editing or whatever you're commenting on a proposal on chain renders it to a UI and just sort of gives you the on chain draft proposal. So users can actually see what's happening. Then it sort of eliminates the Commonwealth side of things. It just sort of goes like you're saying, Jack, this is a step before it goes on to like on chain governance proposal. It's like the draft proposal. Is it, going to be rubbished off or is it going to be taken seriously you know something like a, a good ui experience i'm sort of liking what you're saying with that i think it's important who goes on commonwealth really let's be honest because i've not got enough time of day to be on commonwealth sifting through all these chats about governance you know so 
I do. It's just like I use like nine different ledgers. So signing in and being like a rhino on each one of those is such oh, a pain in the ass. And I just like it's, ugh, get ignored at that. But but yeah, we try to. So um, sorry, Jake. Just what you on what you were saying before. Um, so changes to the the Cosmos SDK. One thing that I would like to see in there as well is, um, and I don't think it already exists, is the verification of param change um, proposals. Like it's it's a little bit off topic, but when so that uh, param change proposals don't get up if they don't actually change a parameter that's in the um, the network, if that makes sense. So, because I, I believe the way it is now, you can submit a param change proposal that submits that tries to change a parameter that doesn't exist, right? I've not tried that, but if that's possible, that should definitely be fixed. <laughs> well, I, I know that every time I do a param change proposal, I painstakingly make sure that it's correct um, because. I believe that it would be quite easy just to submit one that does nothing because I think it will just accept any any JSON that's got a you know a change um, key in it, and the things that come after the change key I don't know that they're verified according to the network because not all networks support all modules um, in the SDK as well. So yeah, there's a lot that needs to be fixed and improved and there's a ton of work to do on like sort of the ui for all the governance stuff um like with data we're trying to do as much as possible we actually have like on-chain discussion for proposals and a drafting process that's coming um but we're not doing native sdk governance yet um maybe we'll get to that at some point um yeah so i kind of i think we've probably uh exhausted this topic for what we'd want to talk about today and we are probably going to start moving on to a bit of um news etc do you think usurper um meow thanks for coming and you are in more than welcome to stay and talk about the rest of the shit we're going to talk about if you want <laughs> i would love to but I'll, I'll i'll be back like next week or so yeah um, I, have to, I have to go do some things but i really wanted to come in and talk a little bit about yeah just uh, the proposal deposit like how we can educate more people on this because and how we can make better ux around this and really i think if we can just get like the ability to edit and and delete proposals while they're in the deposit status period i think that'd be a very simple thing we could do that would have a very large effect yeah so awesome man thanks a lot for coming on and actually um i do want to get you back soon uh to talk about dow 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 yeah uh and all right yeah definitely we'll 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 definitely do that well, that's because that's going to be uh, that's that's going to be coming out soon, right? We're, we're yeah, it's going to be coming out like probably in the next couple of weeks. Well, perfect. Let's let's organize it, man. Awesome. All right, sounds great. Thanks, Jake. Right. Later, guys. See you, man. See you, man. See you Jake. Um, righto. So, right. <laughs> surfer. Yeah. News. The news. Uh, the news. Well, I think we wanted to have a couple minutes to talk about some recent testnet launches. It's been a little bit of a busy time here in the. Uh, Crypto price doldrums. The the, uh, the the bear market is the time to build, right? The red candle times. Yeah. Um, so we talked a little bit around Say before. So Say had a DevNet one, I think that was happening in the last few months. Um, or maybe it was called Test. I forget what the actual names are. I'm not going to call chain names because I don't have them in front of me. Uh, they just relaunched DevNet um, due to, I think there's just the validator set was a little bit out of whack. 
Um, and so they relaunched DevNet. And then now we say that we just talked about the number of kind of groups that are um, trying to get into this incentivized testnet. Say team's doing a really good job of, of uh, we haven't, it hasn't happened yet, but I think uh, as of Friday, they said they're going to rotate the validator set. So I, and I don't really have any, um, I'm not sure how that's exactly going to happen. I, I assume that's through validation delegations and just applying big chunks towards validator sets and things like that. I'm not sure if some of those will stick around. Um, we're in that list, which is nice to be a part of, say, um, although we're struggling with blocks, which we'll talk about here in a second, why. Um, but they're going to rotate the validator set around um, as pe more people come online and you know a lot are interactive and those types of things, um, which is really cool. Um, the, they're going to start launching and doing a little bit more in terms of the actual testing aspect of the testnet. And so there's some structure around that and some goals and those types of things, which I can put a link to the Notion site uh, from the SAE team that has a lot of good information about what that's going to be. Um, and I think the one thing interesting that is different, I believe, between DevNet and Test. I could be wrong, but I think DevNet's running like one and a half second blocks. And when testnet started, at least, I think their goal is 250 millisecond blocks, I think is what the goal is. Some raised Excuse eyebrows. Me. Yeah, I think that's I think that's what it is. I think that's what it is in the um I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure I'm not sure how that's you actually said. They're, they're about 60 seconds at the moment, right? 60 <laughs> say what? <laughs> I mean, 60, uh, it, sorry, they're yeah. what? Right now, actually, I can tell you exactly. Well, right now, six of a second, sir. Yeah, right now. Uh, yeah, well, actually, right now, the last twenty-four hours on test. Am I in test or dev? I'm in testnet. It's been actually just about a second, so it's up to a second, which I'm guessing is just based on the number of validators, which has now grown to fifty. So maybe it's kind of come up a little bit. So, at, which we're not missing as bad now. Um, we were missing actually pretty decent when it was at two hundred fifty milliseconds because we had like I think it was like averaging a half a second a block. Um, which there's a lot of shit going on there for half a second a block. <laughs> let me tell you. So oh, um, terms, yeah, I think uh, I think we're we're doing all right there. I don't think I've missed that many blocks on that one. Yeah, I, I I'm not sure why this this is a testnet box. It's not. It doesn't have that many stones to it. But um, but but still, like we we usually don't miss blocks. So it was, it's always it's always a little bit more frustrating when you do that, even if it is testnet. Um, and then and then from the. Well, let me dig up a quote from the test from the say team. And Highland, are you guys are you guys running notes here? Simon's Simon's having a say node on the go at the moment. Yes. Well, yeah, but I didn't actually uh, create a validator from that. So, oh, not right, so okay. we're just having a, not yet. Cool. No. Yeah. We're, yeah. Um, so the, these guys have been uh, so just a bit of bit of background on on the so there were thirteen hundred odd. Um, Gentech submissions, right? Mm -hmm. Don't know how many of those are legit, but the the team has been um, interviewing validator teams for quite some time. So um, I do believe they have vetted out a lot of people who are like legit validators and other people who are um, there for the uh, incentivization part of it. That said, I don't think that they're limiting the test net to um, – you know, to limit the amount of uh, people who are going to get rewards out of the incentivization. But I think they are lim um, limiting the amount of people who are going to be in the active set, right? Yeah. So it's a little bit, I think it might be a little bit similar, and I'm not sure, I think it might be a little bit similar to defund, where defund um, said, you know, you don't have to be in the active set to receive incentivization for running the incentivized test net, right? So there's kind of two 
you know, give everyone a chance to get some rewards there and stop people from just milking the shit out of the faucet when it's there for people to um, get a, a small amount of tokens so that they can play around with the d- the dApps that are attached to these networks, right? Because, you know, it's not just a network. You don't just want to try and spew out as many blocks as you can with no transactions in it. They've got yeah. their own modules attached to it and their own dApps that they're trying to test, which is why they're running a test net. So, um so, yeah, I mean, there is some sort of vetting that's going on, but there's also mm-hmm. other methods of the madness in there. So, so what is it? I've not looked into say network much of all. Is this the same? Correct me if I'm wrong. Is this anything to do with the chap who created Sentinel? Is it the yes. same sort of? Yeah, yeah. I've seen that interview and it seemed pretty interesting. So, it's, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. Yeah, trying to build an order book and those types of things. For, yeah. So, so from PSU and the. In the validator chat, he said, "Because I was, I was, I was like, I'm like, this thing's moving pretty quick." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, yeah um, I seen that interview and I thought, "Fucking hell, right?" So he's just like come out with this straight away. That's interesting. So, okay. Yeah, Fair enough. yeah. He actually, so he said, he said we actually want to miss some amount of blocks, less than 33 percent of all blocks, since that's an indicator that we're pushing the system. If we're not, yeah. that means there's room for performance. I wouldn't worry too much about missed blocks unless it's more than the threshold. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I thought was pretty interesting. Like it's a just different mindset, right? Because I think, you know, mm. miss blocks would me, you know, give me start shaking and stuff, right? So the idea that yeah. we're starting to drop blocks is because of of something that's like that. So, um, but I mean, again, uh, looking down that list, there's a, there's a good amount of people missing blocks. I'm dropping like I think I'm dropping forty or an hour or fifty an hour. But again, that's at at half second blocks what it was. There's a lot more blocks per hour than than you know than a typical six second type structure. So. But yeah, so anyway, that's off to the races. I don't think any of the testnet stuff has really started yet, although I don't really haven't really checked in today. Um, but yeah, that's pretty cool. That that's that's moving. It's exciting to kind of see another order book structure come up. So yeah. I think they have actually started um, testing the dApps in some fashion because uh, there's like random people doing stuff trying to – there's a Medium article about tasks, I believe. Mm-hmm. There is. Uh, uh, Notional. It's uh, I'll put it in the links, but yeah, it's a Notion site, I think, with the tasks in it. Yeah. No, okay. Cool. Um, so I think uh, we are, yeah, we're, we're doing all right there in terms of missed blocks. Um, but so interestingly, we are using a remote signer as well. So I think some other people were having issues with the remote signer, and that's probably due to latency with such a fast um, block time. So yeah. I think we might just be lucky that we have low latency to our signers. So. Um, but I actually, you know, I had a problem with, because of the way say, say, is it say or say? Anyway, because of the, because I, of the I think it is say, say, say. Right. So, <laughs> say. 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 so we, we all launched, we all, um, did Gentexes, right. And then they launched the network without most of those Gentexes, but then mm-hmm. sent some token to the people who, uh, they want like to to some of those people with Gentex is to get them to start a validator, right? Now, I was using a remote signer, um, and I already had the remote signer connected to my um, node, so it was already producing b- blocks, right? It just wasn't producing blocks as a validator. Now, the funny thing was, um, you know, I had assumed because of in the config that you actually 
point your validator node, uh, your your sentry node away from the local priv validator key, right? And sorry to everyone who's watching this who's not doesn't speak validator speak, right? But you have a local key, and even if it's not the validator key, the um, program will generate a dummy key that mm-hmm. just sits on the um, the validator node, no matter whether it's used or not or required or not, it will still just make a dummy one if one doesn't exist, right? Mm-hmm. So, but I had thought because my remote signer was connected and was telling it my pub key, obviously, that when I did the create validator command, that it would use the mm. remote signer's key <laughs> instead of the friggin' local dummy key, right? <laughs> I was fucking wrong. <laughs> <laughs> So I immediately, as soon as I created my validator, it was missing blocks because it had created the validator with the oh, local right. key instead right. of the remote mm-hmm. signer key. So I had to go and quickly, and I, I didn't know what the signing window was either. So I was just like panic station. And, um, and so I had to like move the key over to my signer and redo um, all my signer config to use that key. Um, so that was a scramble. I didn't, I think I missed, and, and with one half second blocks, <laughs> I, I missed quite a few blocks in a very short amount of time, but um, I think at the moment it's just fine. So that's my story on say. <laughs> I'm glad you figured it out. That's actually not a quite obvious thing. I guess you have to start getting into understanding, right? Because it, it, unless you knew that, like if you knew, if you don't understand how that works, and you obviously like, oh shit, I, I created mm-hmm. it this way, but just seeing that thing miss, it's not obvious that that's a wrong key in there. Right, or that you created with the Gentex with their own key. No, but luckily, um, that was my first assumption yeah. that I that that's what had happened because I was kind of thinking about it when I actually made the um, like it did cross my mind. Yeah, it just the assumption I made on that um, topic in my mind was that it would use the one from the the signer. Sure, and then I didn't even check that I was um, making the blocks initially. I was looking at, so I, I looked down the validator list to see actually where we, if we were in the list because mm-hmm. of the amount that we staked, right? Right. And then I saw my um, my uptime wasn't 100% and I was like, oh, shit, what's going on here? And then I, I went in there and was just printing red blocks and I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then fixed it. So that was a couple of minutes later. But um, anyway, it was interesting. And it's actually, I'm glad that it happened because it's good to know. Yeah. Um, because then mm-hmm. I won't do that on a main net. So yeah, it's not, like, not a good look to it. As soon as you start a validator, start missing blocks. And the funny thing is that if you did that um, on a main net that you wouldn't automatically be in the active set, right, you mm-hmm. wouldn't even know because when you're in the inactive set, you're not signing That's blocks. Right. And you don't know whether you're signing blocks or not. Mm-hmm. Um or whether you have the ability, like whether you're using the right key or not, right, until you're in the active set. And then so you could go and crowdsource delegations, get on and, and, and go to Twitter and get people to delegate to you, right, and get promoted to the active set yeah, and immediately be missing blocks. And if you do, if that happens while you're sleeping or something like that, mm-hmm. uh, you have to get up and fix it or you don't know and you get jailed. It's not yep. a good look. <laughs> not, not, out of the gate, not a good look. No, so yeah. it's good to know that doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I started, I actually, I'm starting to move all my Gentex locally. Like I don't do them on the actual nodes anymore. Like I always do it locally and, and those commands locally, just cause then at least, especially for mainnet type things, or even if it's a create validator, just because then I have the key local 
and then and um, mm-hmm. uh, at least for Gentex, at least I, then I know at least I have the key local, and then I I can then I know I'm going to save it off and those types of things. Where otherwise I get worried about you know I'm going to somehow <laughs> save the wrong key or some other crap associated with that. So I should actually clarify because I got the pub key from the command. Um, you know, say attend uh, a mint show node mm-hmm. ID uh, show node pub key or, or whatever show node key or whatever the command is right. Um, but I did that on the validator. Yeah. So even if I did that on the sorry, I did that on the on that sentry node, right? So even if I did that on that node and then right. did the command locally, I'd still have the wrong key. Right. Well, I just have. I just do it on testnet nodes because it's easier. Um, so I would have to go basically to the priv validator key file and just pull the key out of the file. It's not yep. it's not trivial to do. It's just knowing that you have to do it that way instead of the other way um, because the default command that, you know, um, is in documentation mostly is to use that tendermint no, um, module command that will give you the pub key on your node, right? But it just gets Mm -hmm. it from that local file, not the signer that's connected to it. So I actually think that should change. Um, I think that that someone should change that so that it it produces the pub key for the key that's being used to produce blocks, not the one that just happens to be on the the node. Because I wouldn't mind suspecting that had you changed the home directory but that other home directory existed that it would probably pull the um the pub key from that uh default home directory mm-hmm. probably mm-hmm. unless you specified uh a home directory with the home flag yeah. um so the other thing is like this there's, there's lots of these built-in like hard-coded defaults in the cosmos ndk sdk so if you start uh, do a gentex right Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't matter what uh, ports you have set in your config file. Right. It'll produce a memo in the Gentex that says the default port. And mm-hmm. you can't change it because if right. you try to change it, it will invalidate the signature on the Gentex. So mm-hmm. you're producing the wrong information to um, the, uh, you know, to the other participants. So if, that, if people pull that out and want to use that, as a peer, it'll be the wrong peer and it'll just, it won't dial to that peer. That's so right. mm-hmm. I think there might be some flags that you can actually do in a in a Gentex, um, certainly for your IP, but I'm not sure about the, um, I don't think there's one for the port. That's all right. I didn't know that. I always, I, I always do the same thing with, um, with uh, we run uh, machines that, that have a, both a private NIC and a public NIC. And so it always it always defaults to the the private. So all those 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 Gentex always mm-hmm. have like a uh, you know a non routable uh, Bogon IP address on there. And I I like to be able to change that. Actually, I'd actually have to be able to change it with the DNS name for for the node because at some point I'd like to be able to put that in there so that people can look at those peers too. Otherwise, so I have seen that actually a couple of times where I have seen uh, DNS names in there. So there must be a way to be able to change that, huh? Yeah, uh, I think the so the IP. I'm pretty sure you can um, specify with a flag, but I'm not sure about the port. the port. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah. in other news. <laughs> yeah, the other one, the other one we were going to talk about. Um, the other one coming this week is is defund 
So, oh, Kajira, we, let's oh. come back to Kajira because that, that's a longer conversation. Another one coming this week is Defund. So Defund had the the their last chain. Uh, it just paused, I think, over the weekend or something. Defund, you guys familiar with it, is the idea of like, building ETF funds of of coins within Cosmos and maybe outside the Cosmos, which is a pretty cool idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we I met, ran into them at Consensus, which was really great to meet. It's always nice to be able to meet people that you you know kind of talk to on Discord. Um, so I ran to them, and, and so I know there's a new testnet slash devnet uh, coming up here. Hopefully, going to launch this week. Um, actually, I haven't seen any information yet. It might be it might be starting up maybe this weekend or next early next week, something similar to that. So that's coming back. Uh, there was an issue with the last binary that was I forget what it was doing. It wasn't um, either clearing out old data or doing something because basically it was growing the the folders like crazy. Um, and so I think they made some big changes to that because a lot of people are getting jailed out myself included. Actually, it ran out of space at like a terabyte. I was like, I'm like, I'm done. Um, <laughs> cause it really was no way to stay sync it and other types of things. And so I knew it was ending anyway. So I was like, okay. Um, but that's coming back next week, uh, or maybe later this week. So that's pretty exciting as well. And then, so yeah, just, go ahead. Just do that when you said the, um, mm-hmm. so what was I going to say? Uh, oh yeah. So they had planned to halt that network, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I think it was a couple of days out, and then there were enough uh, nodes that couldn't keep up that it halted that's, anyway. <laughs> I think I think that's what happened. I, and I, I was asking John, I was like, I'm like, if you're halting, I'm like, are you keeping anything here? He's like, no. And so, like, I think they're going to do a new a new genesis off the same um, off the same maybe validator set or something similar. I'm not exactly sure what's yeah. going to happen here. I was like, just I'm like, just kill it. Export the um, the state across. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was like, I'm like, just kill it. I'm like, just stop it. Like. <laughs> <laughs> like just just call a halt just halt it and like you don't need we don't need to do a, a, a nice who cares like just stop it it's a test net so i believe the yes yeah, so the new the new um defund test net is going to be uh it's going to have some things improved in terms of storage um yeah. but also they yeah they're going to have um increased functionality with the etf which will be more towards like a closer um anagram to what they're going to be launching with i believe so um i'm not sure i don't don't know if it's incentivized or not, but it'll certainly be like a good testing ground for the um, for the uh, the launch version, um, probably of Defund. So yeah, I'm excited. Like it's a good team, and you know, glad that this has been around for a little bit. So I'm glad they're making some progress here. I don't think it's incentivized. I think it's just a. I think it's just a testnet. Okay. So Kuji, hey. yeah, please. Um, has anyone got on with like Quicksilver? Network yet? No, not me. No, I, no. I ran and I ran nodes for the last test net. I think this last one I kind of gave up on because it had that same flavor of, right? Like floors yeah. lava and how much time am I going to put in this to try to stay in this structure? So I think I gave up on the last one. And I think there's another one coming too, isn't there, Highlander? There's another, um, well, I'm not sure about another test net, Quicksilver, but. Um, What's the name again? Celestius. Celestius. I've got that right there. Celestia. Mm-hmm. That them and all something else that should be looking at. But yeah, it's that many networks are like try to keep up. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Simon. I think we need to go. Uh, and I think we need to double up us. Never mind just me and you doubling up. <laughs> All right, you gotta do it again. Exactly. Fucking madness. <laughs> I think it's just starting. Oh, I think I man. think like I think it's just the very beginning of it. Like I think that's why I mean honestly going back to your 
going back to your training thing, it's yeah. like this is a good time because I think this the number of chains are going to grow here, and there's going to be uh, there's going to be I think um, other than Polkachu, who will clearly will be on every single chain through the amazing aspect of DevOps. What's he um, got? Like, has he got like five? Times Polkachu's melds into one guy or something because the work he puts out is like. <laughs> I know. Um, He's either like cloning himself or very good at fucking automation, and I think it's the latter. I yeah, well, I think I think involved. he has a button that's uh, called the DFA button. It's a uh, do fuck all <laughs> button, and you press it, and it fucking spins a chain. <laughs> <laughs> spins a chain but it also gives you state sync snapshots fucking live peers everything I know. one button it, it, it's amazing I love Pope with you man he's Me too. awesome really I gave him good, shit man. We, were, we were talking about seeds one day and like like I forget what we were talking about. It was something like because that whole thing that came out um, around uh, bad persistent peers. If you have a because people are putting like eight hundred fucking persistent peers in their peer book and then and then like the, yeah. the nodes are sitting there dialing shitty you know dead no over and over and over and people are realizing they're missing blocks because this thing is spending so much time on bad persistent peer structures. I'm like I've always been an advocate of like get rid of this shit like just put a good seed in there. But some nodes yeah. don't like some chains don't run seeds and then he and I were talking about this and then like eight minutes later this massive seed service was, was launched. There's like a website with like all these seeds and there's like 75 seed nodes. I was like, what? I was like, it's like, it's like yeah, I ran hey, tender seed yeah. and here we go. It's good. Well, like Son chain registries, something that's stuff like that. that Tom built, or is it Tom that created chain registry? Is it, he's a big part of it anyway. Like, you know, anyway, that repo chain registry, just all the Cosmos stuff you need, the RPCs, the seeds appears. Yeah. Yeah. That, that kind was of thing. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's awesome. That's what you need to, you know. I never realised that until I met him in London when I was when I was one at um, yeah when I went to one of the uh, phrase Cosmos Interchain education things, which is brilliant, okay. by the way. Yeah, good day. Uh, I nearly missed my train back home. Actually, it was hilarious. That's an awesome <laughs> story. Sorry about that. The very loves the train too. <laughs> he does. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. so yeah. the other thing that uh so uh Noel, do you want to talk about uh Kujira a little bit? Uh well we've got Kujira and we've got Secret um to talk about yet and we're starting to run out of time. So um maybe we'll touch on mm, yeah, let, let's go with Kujira. Uh so Kujira uh was a project that has moved over to their own chain from um from Terra, I believe they were working on in the first place. So that's where their existing token was and they're migrating it over to their own chain. So um, firstly, shout out to the devs at Kujira because um, from day one they had pretty, yeah. pretty nice um, apps and, and UX UI experience. So congratulations to them for that. Um, but the reason I wanted to raise Kuji was their rewards model which is not the same as basically all of the other Cosmos um, chains out there. Right? So they don't have inflation. Their, their model is um, what all the other models aim to do in the future, I believe, but they do it straight out of the, uh, out of the gate. So for those who don't know, Kujira is a decentralized exchange that uses an order book instead of uh, automated market maker like the rest of the decentralized exchanges or the common decentralized exchange that we see now. So 
basically what they're proposing with this network um, is that the people who are staking to validators are rewarded by a share of the fees from trading only. So there are no other um, uh, mechanisms to provide rewards to the, the delegators. So these are produced by when someone makes um, a transaction, whether it's to put an order or to take an order or using any of the functionality um, on the, the decentralized exchange, it comes along with a fee, right? So there's a maker and a taker fee. Um, and so... Uh, these are in different denominations as well. It's not necessarily just Kuji. So there's fees that are collected in, I think, USDC, and I think they're adding, I don't know, Juno and and whatever other. It's, it's um, got everything. Yeah. Yeah, you've, so, you've got everything on it. And um, they implemented, I, I think they're like probably the first ones other than uh, Omniflix who have implemented um in their UI, having fees in denominations other than their native token. So I know, for example, that many of the validators on um, Juno accept fees in uh, USD. So I'm oh, sorry, Adam. Sorry, they they uh, accept fees in Adam, and that's in the standard documentation. But it's not, as far as I know, implemented in a um, UI anywhere. So that is probably a CLI only. Uh, feature for people who use the command line to make transactions, but it does exist there. But I think at the moment, um, Kuji are doing it pretty well uh, from that point of view. So basically anyone who's delegating um, to a validator, as time goes by, they'll just see all these different IBC coins appear in their wallets um, or appear as rewards, and then they can collect those to their wallets and use them, transfer them wherever they want as normal IBC coins. So absolute nightmare for your tax, but uh, still a, a good feature um, in terms of uh, being able to use the functionality of the network, especially when you don't already have native Kuji to use as a uh, uh, fee. So you can send across your Atom and you can make transactions immediately with Atom without having to have any native Kuji. What, what I do like about it is the fact that there's no need for liquidity pools. It was designed, you know, Finn was designed on that one thing of order book. It's, it's, yeah, it's something different that you see on the Cosmos. I'm glad that they've come and built on the SDK, obviously. But, you know, we're, my first ever really are now is really in Juno and Kajira, with the help of Simon, obviously. Um, so it's nice to be part of the Relayer crew now. Uh, but yeah, interesting project. Being a so bear not, market, mm. it's hard. To, it's hard to see the volume coming in. You know, it's, bear market times. It's hard to tell you what's going to happen with some projects. But you know, Hans is one of the best CW devs I've seen. Man, he's unbelievable. What he can do, this guy. So. Got a lot of promising things that will happen with Kajira, no doubt, man. Yeah, we're definitely looking forward to it. Um, although I don't know, yeah, the staking there is another bloody enigma. 
Uh, oh, no, to, to be honest, you know, you can, you can withdraw rewards and re-delegate on most chains in Cosmos and you can have yourself a nice little stack to re-delegate, but Kajira is just completely different, man. You need to know the, you need to know for a start how to operate with IBC transfers to basically execute the swap code to transfer all these other rewards back to Kajira to re-delegate to yourself. I mean, if you don't know all that, then you're going to sit there and create a war chest of all these other rewards within your validator. And yeah, it's a slightly different. I lost it in that. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's enough fees being generated at the moment for you to start seeing the rewards, if that makes sense. But yeah, I think, it's it'll, I think it'll come, man. It'll come. <laughs> It's only been running for like a couple of weeks. So, um, no, you know, as, no as awareness gets around and as the token gets a little bit more distributed, because I think the token ownership right now is still quite centralized. Um, and, yeah. you know, you can tell that from the way that the uh, delegating to nodes is as well. It's incredibly top heavy at the moment. So, hopefully, they, you know, hopefully some more education happens there and they spread that out a little bit. Obviously, we would like to to rank well but we're happy where we are at the moment um so i think effortless, it's definitely see more, more volume come through so yeah mm. it's, it's interesting to see it's the first i've ever seen like a fee operated chain where you get rewarded on the fees that's brilliant something fresh that's all good innovative now um Usurper, let's go. I think this is our last topic for the day, um, unless any of our uh, viewers want to ask some questions. I think we've been dropping off viewers as we've been going on to this testnet stuff. But in any case, so um, Secret Network uh, bringing privacy to other coins. Um, so I haven't read up on how they're doing this yet, and someone else might be able to tell me, but um, they've added Juno, Stars, Luna, and Grav to um, the coins that are able to be turned into S coins, I believe, and then transferred around um, without uh, traceability. So they are also doing an Axelar bridge integration, which will bring um, privacy to other blockchains through the bridge um, and bridged assets. So this could be interesting. This sounds like a... Lavender five conversation, isn't it? Lavender <laughs> <laughs> or whisper, <laughs> or whisper. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, 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 I saw that announcement. The the bridging piece, I can't really talk to on the on the secret Juno and Stargaze. I actually thought those were already there, so my mm-hmm. my bad. I, I I didn't I didn't recognize that. So that's cool. I I I wish I would be a little bit more involved in secret. Um, we're more of a user than a, the validator and those types of things, but. I don't have too much to say about it overall. We are an incredibly poorly ranked validator. Delegate <laughs> <laughs> King notes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, decentralize the network validate. <laughs> I delegate. I delegate to King nodes and Blockscape. Oh, nice. Mate. Thank you. Thank you for your, uh, your sacrifice. It was, it was, uh, it was SG. It was SG first of all, then obviously when they announced that they were leaving, I thought, well, there's only, there's only um, Look, so many people that I can delegate to after that. To be fair on Secret, I work very hard on trying to 
mitigate our missed blocks there. Even though we make no money, we uh, we still try to um, get the lowest missed block count there that we possibly can, and it's been improving over time. We're looking pretty good now. Um, and same with a little bit of a. Sorry, no. I think Does we, we have a little uh, bit of a pump there. Hey. Does it not have a bit of a rally secret coin recently? Oh, you can rally all at once. I've got none of it. <laughs> <laughs> a rally in secret doesn't help me one fucking bit. Yep. I stand uh, silence. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so we've got our secret misses down to 19 and 22,500. And we've got our Evmos misses down to 23 in 90,000. So been working hard on improving both of those. I, I, I know all of you guys probably know that that Evmos struggle. Yeah. Um, no, um, Schultze, Schultze, God bless him, fucking sorted my nose right out uh, with a couple of tweaks. The boys, he's really good, man. I like what he does. Um, there was a couple of tweaks I'm happy to share with you. Uh, I helped Omni out the other day as well and instantly stopped missing blocks. Couldn't believe so it. But yeah. Would they be the the peer um, tweaks? Removing your peers? No. And no, it was more of the. Let me get the message up. Because I've got a few whiskies. I don't want to quote things that are just bullshit. Let me see. <laughs> <laughs> So what yeah, is your so, number? Uh, on say that again. Jesus. Uh, yeah. So I'm just looking at the. I'm looking at Ping at the moment. Just at the. Yeah, I'm kind of like thirty or something like now, maybe something like. That. Yeah, I think I think most misses here are in the hundreds. And when you look across the the whole set, it's average of hundreds, and there's quite a few in the thousands. Because it's with the amount of traffic on. It, it, it on, was. It was to do with the. Snapshot and it always told me to set it to 1500. Uh, sorry, t- t- maybe zero that from 1500 to zero it and uh, massively improved it straight away. So it did. Oh, yeah. So the, the default um, config for Evmos is to have snapshotting. Um, so yeah, yeah that's, that's definitely one thing you got to change. I think, well, mine, mine is yep. no snapshotting. Um, I'm sure you serve as the same. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just as soon as I did that and then the Printing started changing it from a rounded number to like maybe uh, mm. twenty nine or whatever you're doing, it and then just like so you're not printing alongside other validators right. was also a big difference straight yep. away. Yeah, you can, you can see those. You can see those prune misses. They come across mm-hmm. as big stripes down the. Yep. Um, I, I I did not know anything about it until you know, but that's it. It's the community. And you and you ask questions. If you're yeah. using um, Horcrux and you have multiple centuries um, to have the uh, pruning different on both of them um, yeah. so that when you get a prune miss on one, you don't get a prune miss on the other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's another realized. Inter- it's pretty interesting. Like these, I mean, these are bigger processes in there, but it doesn't take much for that, that signature to get missed, right? There's such a short window in there that even like simple things, like a, like a, not simple things, but like a prune going on or, you know, um, like you said before, like, Bad persistent peers. If you got too many of those, like it's easy to get that get the priorities kind of mixed up in there. Yeah, I mean, I'm not so, a big seed guy. I've always like liked to use um, persistent peers, but 
but lately yeah. definitely been getting some better results from using a reliable peer. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, a reliable um, seed provider instead of peers because these faster networks, if you've got peering timeouts, um, it just really affects your your blocks well, for some. It, it was something um, something that Simon always taught me from day one is like don't take all the peers, take five you know are pretty decent and use that and then you know your address that Jason gets built from whatever you start on doesn't it so definitely when when we're starting a network I only pick like three or four peers Mm -hmm. that I know are solid peers like I'll pick um, you know Rhino and Pokachu uh, and Lavender 5 Um, so I'll pick peers that I know are solid and that won't change. Um, mm-hmm. And you don't need – if you put in 50 peers, you're going to have a bad time. Yeah, um, for sure. You're definitely going to have a bad time. So a good trick is to have minimum good peers that you know are going to be peering well to the network, right, but also increase your incoming and outgoing peers to like 200 yeah. and 100, um, which uses more bandwidth, but it gets you a larger um, distribution of peers across the network. So – um, yeah, obviously, always, that always, caveat always that you should have all the time. Yeah, that, that comes with the caveat that you need to have decent um, internet connectivity and latency right. for that to yeah. work properly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> otherwise, if you just set a shitload of peers and you don't have enough <laughs> bandwidth or la- um, low enough latency, you'll just cut your own throat, you'll start missing everything. So, yeah, yeah. I've seen te- I've seen teams get smarter about this too because, like, some of the some of the recent test nets, uh, not the ones that we talked about here, but before that. Like they would, they would post a, a a peer list of like fifty names, right? Like here's a list of peers, and then in the config it would be like thirty outbound and or thirty inbound and ten outbound connections. So every peer would be full, and everybody's putting the same fifty names in there, so nobody can get on the fucking network, right? Yeah. Um, and then say, mm-hmm. I think when they when they just launched it just now, they they skipped. I put a seat up, but they they just. Uh, they just actually waited a little bit and then produced an address book and put an address book up and just said, here, just use this, which actually is not a bad idea. Like I have a pretty decent address book as a starting point. And then they also did, I think, 150 inbound, 150 outbound peers as a default. Like it's shipped with that out of the out of yeah. the testnet structure. So no matter what, if you got an, if you got a name, you're in like if you got a, an actual port because there's so many open spots, um, which for a testnet is a really good idea. I think in mainnet, you kind of I agree at 150, 150 becomes. Mm-hmm. So one one problem with doing the um, address book thing that they did was yeah. that um, again you can end up with a a lot of connections on those address book peers. You can, and it when people do that they don't put in seeds and peers into their config because you don't actually need them if you've got an address book that's already populated, right? right? So yep. I I think that their um, booting up methodology didn't include putting um, peers and seeds. It did so, not. If you have an issue or you have previously um, tried to run the network, right, with like the wrong genesis or something like that, and then you do an unsafe reset, a lot of people won't know that that'll piss off the um, address book and you'll have to go yeah. and download it again or, or reinstate it. So and right. it connect, so a lot of people just weren't getting connections to the network because they had done something that deleted the address book after they had placed it there and then they're just like, why is this sitting here, you know, dialing no peers for Three hours, right. and you're like, right. well, because you haven't set any peers. <laughs> because yeah, I had, yeah. That, I had that quite recently. Yeah. I had that. Don't know, Simon. Oh, I- yeah. Is that why Simon's laughing so much? <laughs> yeah. 
I've got a lot of problems that I just bounce off Simon to be honest it used to be you no that's the advantage of having a team right? a yeah. team helps you so right. yeah but um, on, on, a, on a closing note for once man you know um, I've been there from day one you know was my first network to validate on you know and just, everybody's shown me how to get on with things and that's how I met Simon that's how I met loads of other people but we just want to try and transfer that standard of education from the top to bottom down to new people moving on to the network and try and reduce the you know crazy governance proposals it all links together man but mm-hmm. we should set, set the standard going forward and good validators like us should portray that image going forward you know there's a there's a line of um there's a there's a level of standard it needs to be set to be a validator in this network and we should just reiterate that all the way down. That's what I'm doing this for now, really, as a side mm-hmm. Definitely yep. looking forward to reading some of your content, man. Um, and I think we well, it'll, actually- be, it'll be someone else that writes it, not me, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think we have, we have a few planned articles for the game of nodes medium um as well about security and stuff but uh i think we have been distracted by other things um but as as a uh as a conglomerate i think we intend to um produce a few articles in there so yes yeah if we ever if we ever stop talking about governance yeah, man, we, we always end up back in governance. But I think our first, uh, I think I was, was going to collaborate with um, Lavender on uh, node hardening, I think was our first one for starting mm-hmm. off with node hardening security because um, yep. there's definitely very easy things you can do to, to harden your nodes, which is becoming less and less relevant for um, your actual centuries and more and more relevant for your um, signers. So mm-hmm. um, I, I'm leaning away from hard security on on centuries just because they're becoming disposable so yep um anyway uh i think we've just about exhausted our topics for the day and um i think we've probably been here long enough that we won't run through what we're excited about this week um so i'm ready to sign off usurper what do you think mate see ya See you next week. Thank Highlander, uh, Simon. Good. Thanks for coming on. Hope we have you guys on again. Good, yeah, good to meet you, you sir. Yeah. Yeah. You too, buddy. And, um, yeah. yeah, it's been too long. <laughs> thanks for uh, catching soon, man. Nice thanks one. Thanks for coming up, guys. See ya.